Wow! Looking carefully at this story of salvation is so intriguing. <laughs> it's realer than real. Wow! Wow! Oh! Oh, hey there, Got Enter! Hey! Nice to have you back on the show. You know, we established last time we spoke that God's love necessitated Him sending His Son Jesus to the world to save you and I. Now we're looking closely at the backdrop, the behind the scenes kind of story about it. Let's take a deep dive. I'll see you there. In Leviticus chapter 4, God gave Moses specific instructions to give to the Israelites. Let's read it in Leviticus 4 verse 1 to 7. Leviticus chapter 4 verse 1 to 7. Alright, in the Amplified Version, see what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. If a person sins unintentionally in any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done and commits any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer to the Lord a young bull without blemish as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He shall bring the bull to the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord and shall lay his hand on the bull's head, transferring symbolically his guilt to the sacrifice and kill the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest is to take some of the bull's blood and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil in bracket curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall also put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense which is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. All the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering which is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Wow! Wow! So we see here that God first wanted to still have fellowship with man, despite the same nature man possessed. Picture a father still loving and caring for his son who has a physical defect that is indeed a strong love. That's a strong love there. For, for instance, having a son that may, may, you know, may be blind in one eye, for a father to love that son regardless of that physical defect shows that that father truly loves the son. And you may go like, Kamsi, um, it's, he's meant to do so. I mean, he literally gave birth to the son. But it really takes a strong love to love someone despite their flaws, dear friend. And so that was the love God had for man, for you and I. You see, God hid the mystery plan, his strategy, for the soon coming salvation of not just Israel but the entire world in this key story right here. So the offender was to get a young bull that was spotless meaning it had no defect physically speaking and for the sake of this context it was sinless. Who does that remind you of? Well Apostle Paul reveals who it is to us 
in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Check it out. All right. He said he made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf. He made Christ who knew no sin. In other words, Christ was sinless. He was spotless. He didn't have the same nature to be judicially sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. Praise God. Praise God. So it's Christ. It's Christ. He was the young bull without blemish that received the sins of humanity and he died in our place so that we would not die. That is, we won't we wouldn't be eternally separated from God, but we would live connected back to Him and partake of His presence and grow in His character. Praise God. Praise God. You know, this alone is mind-blowing. Christ was the one who persuaded God to send Him into the world to die for mankind. Yes, Christ is God's nature. Love is God's nature. So Christ is love. And so God so loved the world that love persuaded him to send his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, this will help you understand why it is so essential that you are saved. Now let's continue with the Levitical story. Notice the specific areas the priest put the blood of the young bull. Number one, before the Lord sprinkling it seven times in front of the curtain of the sanctuary now in the bible the number seven denotes spiritual perfection meaning that the blood of jesus is the perfect sacrifice before god praise god jesus's blood is the perfect sacrifice there is nothing else that can save a man except the blood of jesus your works can't earn your salvation dear friend the next place the priests put the blood was on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense and that was found in the holy place of the temple right so it was right before you step into the holy of holies through the curtain and hey if you want me to do a series on the temple and its components leave a request in the comment section all right now horn signifies authority and power a horn signifies authority and power. Whenever you see a horn in scripture, for instance, David will say, you have exalted my horn as that of the unicorn, right? So you have exalted, you have given unto me power and authority, right? So horn signifies authority and power in scripture. And altar signifies sacrifice. It signifies prayer, spiritually speaking. And so when the priest put the blood of the young bull on the horns of the altar of fragrance incense, incense means prayer, incense signifies prayer, right? It meant that the authority exercised in prayer for the believer and of the believer is not based on anything else than the sacrifice of Christ. I take that again. The authority that is exercised that that is exercised 
in prayer of a believer and for the believer is not based on anything else. It's not based on your works. It's not based on the way you fast. It's not based on the way you, you know, pray. It's not based on anything of you. It's not based on your own name. It's based on the sacrifice of Christ on Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And that name signifies everything he represents. His sacrifice, you know, his blood, his merits on the cross of Calvary, his works of salvation. Praise God. It was Jesus' blood that gave the Christian the right he had to approach God and not be consumed. Praise God. So finally, the priest poured the rest of the young bull's blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And that was just at the doorway of the tent of meeting. It was outside. And that was, you know, it was outside the, the inner court. Right? So this symbolically means that you start your spiritual journey from the outer court to the holy of holies. First of all, passing through the blood of jesus meaning you cannot start this christian life you can't you, you can't actually say you are living the life of christ if you have not yet passed through the blood of jesus it means that you are not truly a child of god if you haven't been washed and cleansed by jesus's blood if you haven't yet passed through the doorway of jesus's blood his sacrifice on the death um, his sacrifice of death on the cross of Calvary for you, then you are not truly a child of God yet. You're just simply a nominal Christian, one who answers a Christian because he goes to church. It's not to spite you. I'm just laying down the truth. I'm just speaking out truth from God's word. Praise God. So it's the only way to become God's child and have his divine life. So even though you go to church every Sunday or you work in a church department, but you have not at some point in time in your life, you haven't accepted the sacrifice of Christ as the only saving sacrifice for your soul. No matter how pious in quotes you may look on the outside, you are still a sinner before God. And the wages of sin is death. You see, dear friend, it's a call to salvation. If you really haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you're not truly free. You're still a slave of sin. You see, Apostle Paul tells us something clearly in Galatians 3 verse 10. Listen to what he says. For all who depend on the law, seeking justification and salvation by obedience to the law and the observance of rituals, so performing some kind of rites and actions of men, they are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, in brackets, condemned to destruction, is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law so as to practice them. Listen, dear friend, one thing you must realize today is that you cannot use good works, in quotes, to earn you a spot in heaven. You can't do penance to get you anywhere with God. You can't perform some rituals and some routines and some actions of men and then say, this is really what will help me become saved. Dear friend, 
principally speaking, the scriptures tell us that our salvation and the basis for our Christian living is faith in the finished works of Christ by his blood. By his blood, his sacrifice on the cross for you and I. Let's see Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 to help it, you know, um, buttress this point. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not through your own efforts, in brackets, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God. Verse 9 says, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Dear friend, if you try to live obeying every moral instruction on your own, you will fail and fall before the day ends. And if you break one of the commandments, you have broken all of them. Yeah, if you break one, you have broken all. So you see, you can't save yourself by yourself. Christ already made the sacrifice for your redemption. He paid the price for your deliverance from sin and its curse on creation. So you may ask, so how do I become saved, Kamsi? What must I do? to become saved well apostle paul answered your question in romans chapter 10 verse 5 to 9 let's read that for moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law with all its intricate demands shall live by it but the righteousness based on faith which produces a right relationship with him that is god says the following do not say in your hearts who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead, in brackets, as if we had to be saved by our own efforts, doing the impossible. Verse 8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word, the message, the basis of faith which we preach and which I'm teaching us today. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, his majesty as God, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 10 says, For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in and confirming his salvation. Praise God. Dear friend, dear friend, we see clearly from the scriptures 
that it is your belief in God, in God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for you that saves you. And it is your confessing him as Lord and Savior. You're confessing him that it is only his sacrifice that you depend on and you submit to as the saving sacrifice for you that can save you. Dear friend, you see, if you're ready to accept Christ into your life, and allow his sacrifice be your basis for living. Join me as we pray together. Father, we thank you. Oh, we have come to realize that it is not in ourselves, oh God. It's not in our own selves that we are actually made pure. It's not by our own effort that we are saved. Lord, we come to you now. We come unto you, wretched as we are, helpless as we are, and we ask you, Lord, to save us. We believe in the saving sacrifice of Jesus' blood on the cross for us, and we confess that his sacrifice is our only true saving sacrifice. We confess him now as our Savior. Lord, we thank you for his sacrifice on the cross for us. And we accept it now. We ask you to wash us clean by your blood. Renew us, sanctify us, Father. Wash us and make us clean by the blood that is the highest saving sacrifice of all. Glory to your name. Thank you for the saving sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for saving us, Father. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Congratulations, dear friend. You are now a part of God's family. I'm so glad you accepted this invitation. Now, don't stop here. We've just looked at one aspect, just one aspect of salvation. There's a whole lot more where to cover. And we'll be looking at the next part the next aspect in part four move on to that part and i will see you in